This episode is sponsored by 511 Tactical, a company that I've used for around 14 years now and continue to use to this day. And they are offering you, the audience, a 15% discount, not on one purchase, but continuously. And I'll give you that code in just a moment. But I want to do a product showcase on their new Atlas sneakers and boots. So I'm a big believer in the fact that footwear can either improve our health or break down our health. And the Atlas sneaker actually has a new foam system that disperses the body weight, whether just the body weight, whether it's a a vest and a gun, whether it's EMS bags being carried. And on top of that, they're lightweight, despite having the same protection that's required in the tactical space. So I have a pair of Atlas sneakers myself, and I can attest they're extremely comfortable. On top of footwear, of course, 511 offers a gamut of uniforms and equipment, whether it's plate carriers, backpacks, flashlights, you name it, they have it. All you have to do is go to 511tactical.com and use the code SHIELD15. That's S-H-I-E-L-D-1-5 at 511tactical.com and you will save every time you purchase. And to learn more about the company 511 Tactical, You can listen to episode 338 of the Behind the Shield podcast with the CEO, Francisco Morales. This episode is brought to you by Thorne, the industry leader in nutritional solutions. Now, Thorne is actually trusted by eight U.S. national teams and championship teams in the NFL, NBA, and Major League, as well as recently becoming the official sports performance nutrition partner of the UFC. So when it comes to supplements... The tactical athlete space and the athletic space need two things. We need efficacy, meaning the products do what they say they're going to do on the label. And then we need to trust the fact that we are not going to fail either athletic drug tests or work-related drug tests. Now, Thorne has actually been around since the 1980s where they were used by physicians and hospitals for nutritional supplements for the patients. They were so successful that athletic teams and even special operations teams reached out to them and they started supplying them as well. Very recently, they actually opened their doors to the general public. Now, what sets Thorne apart is they manufacture their own products in a state-of-the-art NSF-certified facility in South Carolina. They use only the purest possible ingredients formulated with no stearates or arbitrary fillers in the cleanest manufacturing process. Most of you listening come from a profession where it can take its toll physically and mentally, and many of us are not able to bolster our nutrition purely with the food that we eat. And that's where supplementation comes in. So if you're ready to maximize your health and performance, visit thorn.com, T-H-O-R-N-E.com. Take a short product quiz to be paired up with the perfect health and fitness supplements. And for you, the audience, if you use the code BTS10, behind the shield 10, BTS10, you will get 10% off your first order. And if you want to learn even more about Thorne, go to episode 323 of Behind the Shield podcast and you will hear my interview with Wes Barnett and Joel Totoro from Thorne. This episode is brought to you by GovX. And as you know, I only have companies on here that I truly use and believe in myself. And GovX is a complete no-brainer. If you are a member of fire, police, EMS, corrections, military, and even hospital setting doctors and nurses you qualify for the free membership to GovX, which marries us with discounts from so many companies that you probably already use. 
And on top of that, it's not just for active duty, but also retirees, veterans, and volunteers. So for our professions, having to purchase so much of our equipment, every single dollar counts. And understanding that, GovX has reached out to you, the Behind the Shield podcast audience, to offer you an additional saving. On your first purchase of $50 or more, if you use the code SHIELD, S-H-I-E-L-D, they will give you an additional $15 off your first purchase. And another layer of GovX is GovX gives back. Every month they're gonna sell a different patch and the proceeds from that patch goes to a charity that supports either first responders or military. So as I mentioned before, go to govx.com, G-O-V-X.com, register for your free membership and save every single time you purchase. Welcome to episode 411 of Behind the Shield podcast. As always, my name is James Gearing, and this week it is my absolute honor to welcome on the show Chuck Liddell. Now, Chuck is obviously a legend in the UFC, but also has a very powerful life story from the mentorship from his grandfather, overcoming physical ailments as a young boy, bullying, his journey through martial arts, and so much more. So firstly, it was an absolute honor to talk to him. He actually did this conversation on fight night on the day that McGregor and Poirier fought. So that in itself was amazing. But also he did it in the middle of his workday. So there is a little bit of activity in the background, some kids, some dogs, some squeaky chairs, but it doesn't detract at all from the incredible conversation. Before we get to that interview, as I say every week, please just take a moment, go to whichever app you listen to this on. Subscribe to the show, leave feedback, and leave a rating. Every five-star rating elevates this podcast, making it easier for others to find. And this is a free library for you, planet Earth. So all I ask in return is you help share these incredible men and women's stories so I can get them to everyone else who needs to hear them. So with that being said, I introduce to you Chuck Liddell. Enjoy. Chuck, I want to start by saying thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the show and thank you to Bill Grundler for connecting us as well. So welcome to the Behind the Shield podcast. Um, thank, thank you for having me. Yeah, Bill's been a friend of mine for a long time. I wrestled with him in college, so it's been, been, been a while. Yeah, well, as we were saying before we started recording, Bill definitely dropped some truth bombs on my community that needed to be heard. So I'd say that was one of the, the more uh, uh, needed-to-be-heard episodes that I've done so far. He's fantastic. So um, my opening question is always, where on planet Earth are we finding you today? I'm in, uh, in Calabasas, California. Beautiful. All right. Well, I love to start at the absolute beginning. So tell me where you were actually born and then tell me about your family dynamic, what your parents did and how many siblings. Uh, born and raised in Santa Barbara. Um, I mean, it was an interesting dynamic, I guess. Uh, I, I mean, when I was really young, my, grand, my father left. And I was raised by my mother and uh, my, uh, but we moved in with, you know, it was time we didn't make a lot of money. We were poor. So we had, um, we moved in with my grandparents. And so, uh, but it was actually my grandparents and my great grandmother. So we had, she, my great grandmother was in one room. Uh, my grandma and grandpa were in one room. Me and my two brothers were in one room. My, my mom and my sister were in one room. So that, I got two brothers, like two young younger brothers and an older sister. 
Beautiful. Well, I know, um, like actually, funnily enough, quite a few high level athletes, you had some physical issues when you were young. So tell me about those. Yeah. Well, it's just, I had, I had an issue with, um, well, they wanted me to put me in those, um, leg braces, you know, a monk, you know, like, so kind of like that four scout leg, leg braces, you know, you see in, in the show. And we didn't have the money for it and didn't do it. But they, so they had a bunch of exercises they gave my mom to put me through when I was really little to help me keep keep my knees together uh, I, was, I forget exactly what it was was called she she helped me with that for my book when I did it so um but yeah it it you know I, I think part of that helped me get started early being having to go through a routine of exercises where she was you know kind of moved me through it and going through that pain and and having a result that worked you know I think that started me early with that yeah. No, absolutely. And, and so you talk as well in the book about, um, you know, the, the parental figures in your family. Obviously, your mom was a single mother, but you had pops as well. And I think for this community, the, the audience that's listening with military and, and first responders, his story is actually very powerful from what he did in his career. So, so if you wouldn't mind, tell me who pops was and then, and then how he was through your eyes. Well, you know, my, my grandfather, uh, was, um, uh, he, you know, he stepped in to be to be my father figure, right? and uh, you know he had, you know, I mean he he, he kind of he raised me his way. You know, he he is an old, old school guy from from Brooklyn, um, tough guy that there is getting in trouble, but then he went into the military, uh, the war, and then uh, when he got out, he he stayed in Santa Barbara and eventually became a, a, a deputy sheriff and then a sheriff's coroner. Um, and, uh, yeah, he's a big influence on my life as far as, you know, uh, teaching me how to, teach me how to fight, teach me how to, uh, be a man, really, you know, teach me how, you know, he, he was one of those guys I, I like, um, I don't know. My wife asked me like, you know, uh, about, cause I, I, I always say one of my biggest, um, the regrets is he never saw me finish my career. You know, he saw me start, he saw me fight once, kickboxing. Um, and you know, she's all, oh, he must've been proud of you that night. You knocked the guy out or whatever. And I said, Oh, he would have been proud of me if I got knocked out in the first round. Cause he knows I, I gave it everything I got. So, you know, for me, uh, you know, he, he, he really put that in me where he, a couple of things he, and I'm trying to figure out how he taught it to me. And I, I want to give it to my kids. Cause I, I was never afraid of anyone. Growing up, like I wasn't afraid of him, and I'm, not, I'm never afraid of anybody. Hey, man, um, just because I, it's not, it's not like it's kind of hard to explain, but I guess my feeling is that if you commit a fight in defense, we're fighting. You know, if you, you do something that requires me to step to you or fight you, I'm going to fight you no matter if I think you're going to beat me up or I think you're not. I think you have no chance in hell, right? So. For me, having that feeling where you can walk into any situation where you're, you're, you don't have that fear involved, you know, and I, you don't have that involved in the in the equation, you can, you can be make better judgments, you make make better decisions, and and I, I want to pass that on to my kids, and I'm still trying to figure out what how how he actually got me to feel that confident and that comfortable with being being that way. Yeah, well, did he did he put you in you know uncomfortable situations as far as physically and and that kind of thing when you were young to to kind of almost like show you that there wasn't anything to be scared of from being in that discomfort? 
I, you know, I, I, I think there was a little bit of that. You know, I, I, my, me and my brother, we get, get in arguments and start, you know, he put boxing gloves on us and tell us to go beat each other, tell, uh, beat each other up until we got tired. I didn't want to, you know, he was, you know, panting and uh, I don't want to, you know, you know, you know, you guys aren't done. Keep, keep going, you know, but, but, uh, yeah, he, he, I, I, a lot of the more of his stuff was a uh, positive. And, and I, I never wanted to disappoint him, you know, like he was always, always there for me, always did everything, helped me with everything, did, was always there for me. So I never wanted to disappoint him. So now with him being a police officer as well, um, when I look back at, you know, at my career, I've been a martial artist most of my life, always, always, always prefaces. I've been a punching bag for some great fighters in my life. I've never been a, you know, competitive martial artist as far as professionally. However, I found, especially looking back at my younger years, I was terrified when someone tried to fight me face to face, but I was fearless if it was protecting someone else, if that makes sense. So did, did you notice that element when you were younger? I, I don't think I, I was never afraid of anything, but I would, you know, I, I actually think it's pretty funny when you say something like that. My, my son, I was like a little nervous, but like I wasn't getting stuff across my son because he's letting kids take stuff from him and you know, they push him and take something from him and wouldn't, they wouldn't do anything about it. And I was like, Man, is he scared of these kids? Like, I'm, I, I got to work on this. I got to do this. And then, I, I we were at my my little my, my daughter had at a birthday party. She's in kindergarten, I think, at the time. And and he and we brought him with us at that to school. And some two boys are head taller than my son. Both of them are hitting her balloons. She turned around, like, hey, stop hitting my balloons. And then he stands there. And then the two the kids they hit it again. He, he got right up in their face. Put look look just like my grandfather too. Chin out. <laughs> right in their face. Right in their face. Hey, don't touch my sister's balloons. And, and and push the kids back and they're like, you know, kids are whoa, 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 you know. And I saw him do that again for her. Like so I oh, okay, he just doesn't care they're taking his stuff. He right they want it, they can have it. He's he's just really he's a sweet kid. He's really nice. So it's just being sweet. He's not but if they someone anyone does anything to his sister, he's right in there right in there like what are you doing? Get, you know, I got, I got this. And so, you know, but, but that's kind of, I, I like seeing that. So I know he's, he's not, he's not, not that he's not, not being afraid. So that's, that's good. Yeah, absolutely. Well, what about your journey into to martial arts? Let's talk about that. Was that following, you know, like Georges St. Pierre, for example, who, you know, was bullied and that was his kind of way through, or did you just find a school and, and follow it that way? No, I, I I was bullied when I was younger, like uh, bef- like when I when I was real, real young kindergarten age, and I was again you know getting beat up, took my lunch take my lunch money money taken from me, wrestled away from me, and stuff. And actually, the principal um, called up my mom and said because she he asked me why why don't you fight back? You know, this old days, this day back in the back in the, what is that early eighties seventies late seventies. Um, so he's, he's like, hey, why don't you fight back? And my mom said, I can't fight. And, and so they, they told my, my mom, had my mom come in and she said, Hey, look, I like what you're trying to do with this nonviolence thing, but you've got to let this kid defend himself. Cause I can't watch him all the time. And the kids are, he's getting beat up all the time. And so she said, okay. And she took me to my grandfather, had him start throwing, teach me how to throw some punches and, and stuff. And, um, and then, you know, and told me, it's okay, don't start the fight, but you can finish it. You know, you, you, you can fight. If they, they attack you, you can fight. 
and I, you know, I started defending myself and, and people started leaving me alone. You know, it's, you know, and as they moving forward, I got about, when I was about 10, I really, 10, 11, I, I started watching Kung Fu Theater and they had martial arts um, demonstrations in between like a double feature or they have these demonstrations on there. And I was so amazed by that, you know, the, those, those, those demonstrations. And I thought, you know, hey, I'm going to go join this, go join karate and I'm going to learn a few, these, learn some secret moves and I'm going to be like, I'm going to be a ninja, you know, I'm going to be a <laughs> super fighter. And, you know, and I, I we were, actually, so I, I kept after my mom. I was trying to learn how to box, you know, and stuff. And I, I kept asking my mom to go and go. She finally said, okay, I'll take you, I'll get you into karate class. So we went looking for a place and we actually went to a place. That, it was funny that it's a Kempo place we went to. We went to a Kempo place three times and it was the third time when it wasn't open where it was supposed to be. And I was ah, we, I don't know if we're going to go here. And we were walking home and we saw the Koi Khan Karate do, Dojo was on, on the way home. On the walk, watched the wall and walk home. And oh, well, why don't we check this place out? And I walked in, and it, it was really um, lucky that I that I got in that place because it was the perfect place for me. Um, they because I, I was a real ADD kid, so I was really kind of hard to keep my attention. But I really, really wanted to be a martial artist. I wanted to learn, learn karate. And when I went in there, they're the old, old, their style, their old school teaching. You know, like they show you a, a reverse punch. I tell you, go work. Okay, do that five hundred times on each side, and then we'll come back and check. You know, so you're sitting there going, "Okay, I gotta do this punch five hundred times on each side." Okay, and then they come back and they, but they, but you had to get better at it, so they give you the next move. And I wanted the next move. I wanted them that next move. And they had a high attrition rate at three to six months because I think that's when people figure out that there's there's no magic to this. You're not going to get a magic move. It's just hard work and and knowledge and learning. And, uh, and for me, the difference for me was I saw that as, wait, you mean if I keep working hard, if I work hard as I can pass that guy, I can get better than those guys over there. And those guys over there doing that stuff I want to be able to do, I, I can get past them. If I, if I, the harder I work, the faster I can get past them. Oh, perfect. And I'll be, I, I was there every day, all the time. I, I mean, I, once I started, I, I was there. It was like an open thing. The, the gym was open from 10 to 8. You come as much or as little as you want, you know, four days a week, and then Saturdays were open for four hours. And I'd be there every every I mean every time I could anytime I could be there. I guess I go after I mean I go after wrestling practice. I get if I got done with wrestling practice time, I go I go to the gym, go to karate. I go to football games. I go, if, if there's time after the football game, I I go to karate. You know, it, it didn't matter. Uh, if I if I had if I could get there, I get there. And so, no, it, it, it really, uh, that, that, that's how I kind of got started in karate. I, and, I, and I loved it. I, I, you know, it's one of those things I, I love doing it and I love learning more and, 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 you know, and I, I love, I love sparring. And that was one of the things that was really great about that gym too. Is like, you know, they had about, we had probably, probably a good crew from depending on what time, of, what, what year it was, but we had a good crew from, you know, 20, 30, 40 guys, you know, usually about 20 show up a night, but, but about 40 guys total that, that really like to get in, in there and, and fight, you know, and train together. And they're, you know, 
tough guys that could just brawl. I mean, Galtes brothers, I, a bunch of guys that I, I really had, had a good time training with really tough guys. And it was just, you know, we beat the hell out of each other and make each other better. Now, what what were the uh, the rules you sparred under? Because I, I did Shotokan, then I did Taekwondo. And, you know, at Taekwondo, I got national titles, but then was just over and over again, I was humbled when I started doing real full contact because obviously the rules that I'd fought under, in a way, got in the way of me actually learning how to fight. So <laughs> what was your experience? Well, my experience, well, our rule, we had, that was one of the things that, with with our gym was that we had, we had a small headgear that we'd wear for like, for like, and head contact was legal. You know, there's still, it was still more point fighting. So if you got it, got one good punch, you're not going to follow up and chase them down and not finish knocking them out. Um, but we did, I mean, it was full contacts. Uh, we had, I mean, we had these Bogu headgears, the big headgears that were, were, and then we used to be able to, same thing. It, it also helped you with you. You don't have a lot of peripheral vision in those things, so you had to get used to feeling where feeling where someone's coming from. But uh, yeah, we, uh, we we it was it was full contact, and we and you know sometimes we do stuff where it's like two got two on one. Wall, we we did wall training where you're stuck with your back to the wall and you got to fight off the wall. Um, a lot of different like street scenario stuff, and 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 it was a lot. You know, we were allowed. You're allowed to. You were, you were allowed to grab. You know, you could you could you could take the guy down. You could throw. I mean, we weren't doing any ground fighting yet, but but you know there was uh, there was uh, we you were allowed to do takedowns, so that 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 helped helped a little for for that kind of fighting too. So when you look back now, having you know trained in all these different disciplines now, you know Muay Thai and Jiu Jitsu, if you could actually take the Bruce Lee philosophy, absorb what is useful, what would you pull out of that art then keep to your current training? Well, out of out of that, I kept a lot of it. I mean, a lot of that, a lot of stuff I got from there was a lot of the. I mean, I learned a lot of the basic technique techniques, basics. A lot of the basics of twisting my hips and throwing, you know, throwing, getting the power from where you get your power from. Um, uh, a lot of the just move like and there's there a lot of foot movement in that in that style. So a lot of a lot of that. And one of the things I did back then too, and we weren't allowed to do that, but I, I did it anyway. Like they'd have we had our katha day was on Friday, and I go for the minimum amount of time I had to be there katha, <laughs> and then I would leave and I'd go to there's a kung fu school on Friday nights. We do open sparring. You know, so the first time I go down there, you're going to spar. And I, you know, I've been in a bunch of street fights at that point. But the first time you go down there, you go down there and you, you fight a Taekwondo guy. And he's coming at you weird. You know, it's, it's a different – he's coming at you way, way different than the guys I'm used to. I'm used to – the guys I'm with, most of the guys I train with are all kind of street brawler type guys. You know, you know heavy bangers that want to – you've got a guy coming with his flying kicks and you're trying to, okay, wait, what's going on with this? And or you got to we come in there, guys, to boxer and go there and fight with them, um, or whatever kickboxer or whatever style they came from. But we, it was a and that that was one of the things I think really helped me move move forward as being a fighter too. And even when I came back to our gym and and we weren't supposed to do that because we were not supposed to go outside the art or whatever. But I, you know, I was a kid and and uh, I wanted to learn. I I thought going and and working with other styles, working with other people. Uh, made sense so I, I so i did it on the side well now obviously you, you now you know as we're talking you're in hollywood yourself what were some of the movies that inspired you back then as a kid 
You know, uh, one of the ones I used to watch all the time too. I mean, it's a it's funny, but the, the the Master Ninja, the the Ninja Show. I think it was the, they called the Master. I think it was. Uh, it was like a weekly show. It was uh, the guys driving around him and the his guy driving around in his van with the Master, and they're going around doing things. It was, but it was it was really cool back then. I I was like, oh man, I want to get home to see the see the episode. You know. Yeah. Did you ever have that moment? Because I did. You know, you have as a wide-eyed child, you're watching, you know, the Karate Kid, Van Damme movies, you know, um, Kung Fu, the the series, um, and then you get into martial arts, and one day you turn around and look and go, oh, actually, I'm, you know, I'm a better martial artist than most of these people that that were, were portraying them when I was a kid. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, you gotta go, man. Oh, okay. <laughs> Illusion <laughs> <been> shattered. <laughs> Uh, but no, you know, I, I look at it, you know, now I'm, I'm, I guess I'm around movies and stuff, but, but I'm, I look at it as it's, uh, you know, it's a movie, you know, you get, they, they can't be, uh, I mean, I guess, guess got the bad, get good actors as, as opposed to uh, some of the big movies had good actors as opposed to having, uh, uh, good, good martial artists. So it's all good. Yeah. All right. Well, then, lead us through your journey into discovering the UFC as, as a spectator, and then and then your journey into that sport yourself. Oh well, as the, the the fast version, I guess. I mean, I watched the the first one. I was in the fight, and so my buddies, hey man, this new thing's gonna be on. This, you know, eight man enter, one man leave. Let's come check it out. Like it's free fighting, and, and like you know, I rem- and I remember going back to like the early one. Like I I saw. Uh, Shamrock, I think, finished on with a heel hook, right, or a leg line, a straight leg line. And my and my buddies were like, "What is that? What, why did he tap? What? He's not doing anything. That doesn't hurt. Like, how, what, what?" And I'm like, "Wait a minute!" Because I and I at that point, I'd done a lot of martial arts. I've done a lot of reading, read a lot of different books on different stuff, and and I, I've done a little bit of key jujitsu. Um, so I'm like, "Wait, let me let me." Let, let me see. Let me see that. Okay, how do you do that? Let me see. And I would. I figured out how to do a straight leg, like a straight leg lock. You know, like and I'm like, see, see that. that how do you, now, does that feel good now? Like my body's like, ah, you know. Like, <laughs> why are you tapping? Uh, uh, why are you tapping? I thought that, that didn't hurt. Like, uh, <laughs> um, so uh, it was. Uh, it, it, and I remember back in the day. I remember uh, Lorenzo Neal was a football player. Uh, if you know where he's at, was a really good fullback back in the day. A uh, good friend of mine, but he used to always come in. Come in Why don't you do this, man? You're a wrestler and you're and you're a fighter. Like you should be in the UFC. Like I'm like, yeah. So how do we get in? I don't know. I'll do it. Well, just get me in, you know. And and uh, everybody had talked about these tournaments that you did to get in. And, and they're, I always hear all these stories about. Oh yeah, my instructor went to the tournament, but he was hurting people too bad, so they wouldn't let him in. Um, and like. Like, come on. Uh, but, and so, and at that time, there was no tournament to get into the UFC. There was no, you know, it, it was, uh, you know, you fought places and you got into the UFC. You, you know, if you were good enough, someone saw you fight, they go, oh, you want to fight in the UFC? Okay, good. And um, so eventually, like, I, I actually, Nick, Nick Blomgren, um, long, longer story, but uh, he kind of got me into kickboxing. And then, he actually got me into 
doing a mixed fight. He's like, you know, and my buddy Alfie Alcar, as he trained with him, was like, I told him, hey, Chuck's a pretty good wrestler. And, he, and I was kickboxing for him, doing a sh- kickboxing shows. He's like, he's doing a mixed fight in Vegas. And he's like, I want to do like a couple of Panthers fights on my kickboxing show. So the open hand striking fights. And I'm like, okay, hey, Chuck, I, Alfie says you're a pretty good wrestler. You want to fight? Fight one of these? I said, sure, why not? So I, I went out and did it, and I knocked the guy out, head kick. I mean, one of those ones, kick him right in the head, and he goes, face goes straight to the floor. Um, and a guy comes up and goes, hey, do you want to you fight in the UFC? And I'm like, sure. And, uh, and I, I, was, I was, next thing, I was fighting in UFC 17. Um, I was an alternate to the tournament. Um, and... Uh, and the rest is history, I guess. I mean, from there on, I went on. I fell in love with the sport and just kind of kept going. Beautiful. Well, just you mentioned about open hand strikes. So, what is your philosophy? I had Bas Rutten on the show not, uh, a little while ago, and he was obviously talking about that for street fighting. Um, what is your philosophy on open hand strikes in the real world outside the cage? Well, I mean, they, they work. I mean, if that, and if you're not, if you're worried about hurting your hands, I mean that. They're, uh, they're 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 a good option for you. I mean, I I always liked elbows in the street because they they work pretty good, and you can make them look like you're trying to push the guy. Um, <laughs> uh, wait, hold on. Am I gonna get myself in trouble here? Um, <laughs> no, there's only, only police officers listen to this. You're fine. <laughs> yeah, no, but I can't. I, well, yeah, I was uh, actually I was doing a thing for police officers uh, in a. Uh, the, the sheriff's department there asked me they, they just down sheriff's department down here in Ventura asked me to do a thing on uh, on on, a, on a, something that happened they should show me a video of, a, of something that happened in, in a jail and how should they have done what should they have done different and what could have they have done better kind of thing for in a, a small like PSA sort of thing to, to, to their their deputies and that was I'm like uh, talking to the guys I'm like uh, can I can I say stuff on here that talk about what how they can get away with something, but make it look like it's something, or am I not supposed to talk about that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, just don't want to get anyone in trouble here. But I, I mean, it, you know, that, it comes down to it. Like, you know, like a lot of the stuff is, you know, people. It's like anything else. You, I used to watch guys get in a fight. I saw a guy chasing a guy down once behind the bar, and uh, you know. He, He's chasing after this guy, and the guy's like, "Dude, just leave me alone, man! I don't want to fight you." And he said, and "The guy it was the guy. The big it was a big guy walking away from a little guy, and finally the little guy hits him in the back and punches him in the back of the head. He turns around and drops the guy, right, and then runs off. And then the guy gets up and starts running around looking for cops to to turn him in." <laughs> and my a couple of my buddies came by. There were cops, and they're like, "Hey, man, what, did you see what happened?" I'm like, "Look." Yeah, but I, I, honestly, like I, this guy punched the guy in the back of the head, and the guy turned around and hit him. Yeah. And the guy had been trying to walk away from him for for the whole for like twenty yards, <laughs> you know. So, well, so I don't know that you want to follow anybody. <laughs> so I just say, okay, we'll, we'll take care of it. Beautiful. But, yeah. Yeah. So with um, you know, with. Going back to your your kind of uh, journey in the UFC, um, tell me about finding um, John Hackleman in the pit. Oh well, that was that was before that. Like actually, now we're gonna. We'll, I guess we'll get back to talking. Uh, also, the guy that got me into fighting um, MMA was uh, was uh, 
One Kick Nick, actually, is a guy that had had me, uh, Nick Wongren. He's actually the guy that got me into kickboxing because, well, I don't know if it's who you want to credit, but Alfie Alcaraz is a friend of mine. He's kickboxing. I was coming out to watch him fight in Vegas. Well, I got there for the weigh-ins, and I'm sitting there at the weigh-ins, and Nick comes over to me and goes, hey, Alfie says you're a pretty tough guy. Um, you want to fight tomorrow night? And I sat there for a second. I went, yeah, why not? I'm here. And um, and he goes over to, you know, have me go check in and going to weigh in. And, and they're like, okay, how many fights do you have? I'm like, oh, I, don't, I don't have any. Um, why? And they're like, oh. They kind of roll their eyes and look at Nick like, no, this is not going to happen. Because he was going to have me fight the guy at the main event who was 15 and 0. Oof. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, he's like, I'm now. I, I actually, I fought that guy my fourth fight. I think I knocked him out, but I think it was my fourth or fifth fight that knocked him out. But that was later. Um, but John Hackman, I had met John Hackman the, at the at a gym the the week before that, right before I left for that thing. I went like the gym I used to train at called me in to spar with this black belt that was coming in. And we did point sparring like at the gym, like no, no, not real head contact, but just like point sparring, like tap to the face and you know hard to the body, and you could do some. Right? Yeah, I took him down a couple of times, but other than that, he was kicking my butt, and um, and I and I hadn't had anyone kick my butt in a long time, so I got his card and he talked about training together, and, and his card said world champion kickboxer, and I'm like. And so I put it in my pocket and didn't think about it. Went to, went to watch the fight. It got, and Nick said, well, since I can't get you on this card, well, I'll put, put you on my neck. Go home and train. And I'll, co- I'll come back come back, and I'll, I'll, I'll put you on the next one. I said, oh, okay, cool. And as I'm driving home from Vegas, I'm like, hey, I got that guy's card in my pocket. So I, I actually called John Ackerman up and said, hey, um, I want to train. I, I, I started talking. Oh, this guy talked about me about kickboxing. I, I want to compete. So yeah, I want to train. I can, so yeah, I come up to my house. You know, so I came out to his house. Um, short version. I went up and basically I went up and I sparred with him. He beat the little piss out of me for about 19 straight minutes. Uh, his buddy Jesus Sanchez is another martial artist. He had a um, he was t- his unofficial time was 19 minutes when he decided to call it. He was like, come on, guys, stop. <laughs> I think he just got tired of seeing me get hit. Um, I never boxed, just boxed in my whole life. John's a, uh, was a, had 200 amateur fights, uh, probably 60, between boxing and kickboxing, like 60 some odd pro fights. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I was, I'm leaving, the, it was raining. He's like, hey, are you coming back tomorrow? I said, yeah. I said, and I said, I rode a motorcycle up and it was raining. So I, I was going to leave. And he's like, hey, um, here, take my truck. I said, well, oh, no, it's okay. I, I'm, I'm fine. He's like, no, push him up. You come back tomorrow, right? Push your motorcycle back into my, in my garage and, and, uh, and take my truck. Send me his keys. Um, that was the second time I met the guy. Send me his keys. And I left and I came back for the next day to train. And we trained there probably six days a week for the next six or seven years until we both opened gyms and then we had so we were weren't always weren't, weren't always up there but I was, he was my coach ever since yeah it was amazing and the thing that what what jumps out to me again is what i touched on earlier which is when when you're a martial art especially in in the years that we began obviously you you ended up you know eons ahead of where i ever got to but you do a style, you end up being successful in that style, but then you go somewhere else and you have your ass handed to you. 
And you have one of two choices then, either don't go back to that place or swallow your pride, realize you're a white belt again, and then start down that road. Uh, yeah, right. And, and one of the things John did was really great about it was he's like, look, I, I'm just going to add to what you have. So, you know, again, watching a lot of the buildup in, in, in some of the later uh, UFCs when they started doing all the behind the scenes and the training footage, you know, you saw you and John training and obviously it was pretty pretty brutal like you said so obviously the physical conditioning side was very hard what about the the level of contact were you guys hitting hard back then too well i mean i think john uh, john was we were a lot better than a lot of mma gyms because we all both have experience from from martial arts um i mean i think i mean we got our hard sparring and we got our hard stuff in here and there but it it wasn't all the time. I mean, there was there's a there's a time for really hard sparring. There's a, there's a time to timing training. There's a time to w- work on stuff. Um, and I I think uh, we had a good balance of that. I mean, we we got we we got it. We got after it every once in a while. You know, he he'd see it and see when we started started going after and going hard with each other. And go, okay, if that's what you want to do, all right, go guys, have fun. Uh, but uh, you know, we did we did a good we had a good balance of going hard and 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 training. You know, remembering that we're training for things. Yeah, yeah. Because I found again my my very very brief uh, time I had probably in the closest thing I've ever been to Fight Club, which was Shootbox opened a, a gym in LA years ago in um, on Melrose, and that there was literally just live every sparring session was you know literally beating the shit out of each other. And yeah, I didn't uh, really yeah, learn I, a lot. I was gonna say that, that, that's a good, that's that's a good good uh, we're up to. Those guys like to go hard. Yeah. Yeah. So, but but what I learned is that I didn't really do very well on technique. It was more survival, and I got good at getting hit. I mean, definitely imp- increased my tolerance to impact, but I didn't feel technically like I advanced very much. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we we did we always did a good 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 portion of you know training for stuff like techniques back and forth stuff um we did a little bit you know we always did a little bit of back and forth stuff first some some spar like shadow shadow sparring um and then you know we'd have a, a few rounds to get after it a little bit and but he'll still be having you working on things you know it's like you know i i thought he did a real good job with that john john's real, real good at, at, at controlling uh controlling the sparring and then and having it like right, I mean, I see some of these guys. I'm like, man, you really going that hard? Is like you're fighting. I, I see some guys. I remember back in the day, they're training two days before the the fight, and I'm like, man, you guys, are you guys really going going that hard at each other? I mean, we're like, uh, you might want to cool down a little bit. You don't want to hurt them before the fight, you know? Like, yeah, well, exactly. I mean, I remember getting my nose broken, perforated eardrum, you know, definitely concussions, no question about that, you know, and having headaches for days. And, and now, you know, being in that, even though it wasn't at a high level, seeing the discussion now, I mean, Max Holloway just had the most incredible performance. And, and I think that they're on the other side of the spectrum now where he's almost only fighting really hard once he's actually in, in the cage. Yeah, I mean, that, that for us, we, we had our... We we'd have our our times when we go go hard, but I mean it's we everybody everybody kind of knew it was sparring. You know we're getting ready for this, doing ready. Um, this guy's got a fight coming up. You, you know I'm not trying to beat up a guy that's got a fight coming up next week. You know I'm not trying to hurt. Not, 
you know, I, I heard a, you knock him out. There's going to be some residual stuff when the fight comes around. Exactly. Well, with you know, with the pit being you know forging men and women, obviously you know in fire in that particular facility or with with John's training. One of the the titles, of one of your chapters that really stuck with me was you quote, um, being mentally tough is not a sometimes thing. And that really resonated with me in my profession. Like, for example, you know, our crucible, whether it's fire academy, you know, boot camp in the military, police academy, you know, that's, that's the first step. And a lot of times if it's run well, it will be really hard to get through that. But then you have to hold that standard yourself and, and and your employer as well through your entire career. You can't just pick and choose when something's going to be hard and then be a part timer after that. Right. That's one of the things I, I tell you. you. You're not when you, when it get, things get really tough. You're going to do what you consistently do, what you consistently practice. Like if if you if you you're not uh, you're tired so you quit, you're going to quit when you, when it's important. You're not, you're not going to all of a sudden turn into be a mentally tough guy. You can't just turn it on for a fight. You can't just turn it on for this. Um, and for me, it's always been, it's, I've always, and I actually reinforced that for myself actually after I retired. Cause I, you know, I started, you know, doing the, oh, yeah, I don't have to do this because of that. Oh, I'm, I've already done this. I did everything. I'm, I, you know, I achieved everything. I'm done. I don't have, I don't have to go work out. I don't have to do it. But it really caught my eye when I was I was actually running with um with my family. Like I'm not running. We were going up uh stairs in, in Hawaii and my son took off running up the stairs. Um and I started chase I, I saw I started running after him. And you know, I mean in our, our race and I'm 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 passing him up I'm, I'm pa- passing him up and then I pass him up and I'm going and I'm like and I actually it crossed my mind like, man, should I just let? Should I just? And not because not because I was trying to be nice to him, but because I was tired. Crossed my mind to not let it, to, to let him go. And I'm like, man, am I really? Am I really thinking that? Like, am I? Because I never questioned myself. It was never a question. That question never came up. Should I? Should I? Should I let someone win because I'm tired? Never crossed my mind ever before that. I'm like. And, and that for me was enough to kick my kick me back into like, hey, you got to make this a habit to not quit or you know, not stop because I'd said that before that I used to say that now after that doing that I'm like oh man I it, it really is I'm, I'm letting myself slip to where I'm, I'm actually asking myself should I should I give in because I'm tired and I let him have it or um and and for me that was a big big moment for me just reinforcing what I feel about you know it's mental tough this isn't a it's 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 a, an everyday thing. It's an all the time thing. You know, it's not, you can't just choose when to be tough. And I'm not saying like, and, and like there's situations where you, you're the only one that knows. I mean, I, I'm not saying when you, you have to play like every time you wrestle, you, it's like a, it's a gold medal match. You know, if you're in a position where you might get hurt and you're thinking, oh, I'll just let them have it because I don't want to get hurt right now. It's not worth, you know, getting hurt over. That's the difference. You know, you know whether you made that decision for that reason or because you were tired and didn't want to fight for it. You, but you, you'll be the only one that knows that you made that decision. You know, you know which one, which which one it was. Um, and you can't you can't fool yourself. You, you know which one it was. So um, I'm not saying you can't be, you know, smart when you're when you're when you're training and working out and doing stuff. And some things aren't worth worth fighting over if you, you might get hurt doing it, but. Cause you know I was that way as a kid too. Like sometimes when I train and I, you know, I wouldn't give up anything, just because 
I, I got to fight for it. I, I can't stop. I, gotta, I can't give up anything. I want to get hurt during training when you really probably shouldn't have taken it. It wasn't worth that risk. But it's a balance as you get older. But Yeah. Well, it's how you hear some of these, these guys saying, oh, I never tap. Like, well, then <laughs> how do you train after they break your arm? I don't quite understand. <laughs> Isn't it better to yeah. say, all right, you got me. I'm tapping. That was, you know, Lesson learned. Let me see if I can avoid that next time. But yeah, the tap is yeah. there so that you don't get hurt and you can continue training. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Like, I, I mean, hey, man, I mean, you know, I'm, a, I'm the last guy to tap to a choke, but that's, a, but that, that's, uh, that's a choice, right? You know, but I, if you, but I, I, anytime, anytime you tap into like an arm bar or, or like, a, even if it's, an, if it's a neck crank, because sometimes that, sometimes guys, it looks like that choke, but it's really, he's getting a neck crank and then you're tweaking your neck, right? You know, that, that can be a long time recovery thing where what over what an ego? Yeah, you know, you, oh, okay. I didn't let him, I didn't tap, but he busted my arm, but I didn't tap anyway. See, I'm tough. You know, my arm's not gonna work for six months. You know, that's doesn't make sense. No, and even in you know, like the, the CrossFit world, I, I, I coach and, and um, I'm a CrossFit athlete as well. It's one of those. One of the exercise, you know, methods I think works well for our community, but there's that whole tendency to PR, you know, and the same with the deadlift. Like, you know, if you pull X amount and it's 85% of your, your max, brilliant. But if you hurt yourself on 100%, but you get a new number on the board, what, you know, what have you achieved? Absolutely nothing other than six months of rehab. Right. Right. Well, you mentioned cranks and, you know, locks. So again, up to this point in the story, you're a stand-up fighter and then obviously a wrestler as well. So tell me about your journey into jiu-jitsu. And again, was that humbling when you first started? Well, I, you know, Scott, Scott Adams is uh, my partner in my gym and he was doing jiu-jitsu and started doing jiu-jitsu. So I started training with him and, you know, we, I think the first, I, I think Beverly, one of, I took a class there at Beverly Hills Jiu Jitsu place. Um, I, I did, I did one gi class, I think, and we did one without a gi with, um, Marco Huas. First time, uh, first time doing stuff. And then, uh, and then I went, Actually, I still use a I still use a, a neck crank. I learned it that that day to, to this day with with guys. I, I get I get one of, of Marco Lewis's neck cranks all the time still. Um, but but yeah, but then I went on I went on to work with uh, I think Mark Lehman taught that taught me that uh, I did a class we did just class with Mark Lehman there too, um, or he was working the desk maybe. Uh, I think I said I told told him, man I'm going to fight in, in the UFC and he's like. Yeah, sure you are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was funny. Um, but then I, I then I started working with John Lewis in, in Vegas, um, and and he started helping me get ready. Um, uh, yeah, get ready for that fight and uh, and work with him for for a long time. He's a, he's he was my jiu-jitsu coach for for for, for fighting. And uh, I actually really love doing jiu-jitsu. I, I like like it. I mean, it's one of those things where people are surprised. Like, I guess I surprise people a lot of times when I do jiu-jitsu with them because for some reason they, they think I, I'm, I'm still new to jiu-jitsu. Or I started, I'm like, I started jiu-jitsu in 97. <laughs> I mean, that's, not, that's, that's a mo- uh, more experience than most people on planet Earth. Yeah. 
I'm like, I'm, I've, I've been doing it for a long time. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, it, it it's actually, and for me, I told you, it's, 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 it's fun. It's fun for me to learn because it's so, there's so many things to learn. Now, did you have a kind of humility story where you first went, you know, either gi or no gi and, you know, again, were caught by something like, oh God, here we go again. I'm learning. <laughs> I'm learning from scratch yet again. Well, that for me, like, like when I first, when I first put a gi on with someone like I was rolling with John Lewis, who's a, at the time was fighting 155s and I'm not, you know, I was a two, well, fighting 199s or 200 and just he he had that like spider guard and like just he went to sweep me and I'm like the sweat being like oh like because you can't you know I thought I'd get my hand out I was I was at a pretty good pace and I was really good at pacing out and I, I was he taught me real quick how to do things but or like I mean even like uh, that the, the arm triangle I got caught in from Jeremy Horn uh, I honestly I I didn't even know he had, I didn't think he had anything. And if, if I thought he had something, I think I would have got out of it. If I just started squirming right away because I, I knew what he was trying to do. I thought he didn't have anything, and there was only 10 seconds left. So I'm like, well, I'll just wait here. And he just slowly got tighter and tighter. And tighter. <laughs> um, uh, but, yeah, I mean, I, I think back then it, there wasn't a lot of good guys out there. Like so, like I was rolling with guys that, or other guys who were learning. So I didn't get as much of that where, like, you got to step in and everybody's, you know, slick and doing all this crazy stuff to you. You know, so I was, and I'm, so I was learning, I got to learn at, at my own pace, but, and I learned pretty quickly and they, and John Lewis uh, would take me through things quick. Guy taught me, a, and he taught me uh, one thing I did really good. Like I did that. I concentrated on about 80, on about 20, 25% of the techniques. I con- concentrated on, Stay in good position. Um, getting out, getting out from underneath people, getting back up, and and not getting caught in submissions. So I I was trying to learn the basics of all the submissions as fast as I could. I, the and I kind of perfected a few different moves of my own. Just and I and I was creative with it. I, I just at like I like Scott Adams would bowl the knee bar. And I, I use that. I use that. His his technique for doing that. I rolled a knee bar, and everyone thought I was going to the knee bar. And then halfway through, I just let go and, and pull my pull my leg out and stand up. And everyone went, "Oh sh, oops!" <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought I had. Yeah, you know, I thought I was countering that. Nope, he's standing up. Why okay, is he punching me in the face? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so it was. I mean, it was, I think I, a lot of it had to do. I just had. Spent a lot of time trying to trying to work on the basic stuff that I needed to, to stay in in control and get back on my feet. Now, did you feel like there was a kind of race for knowledge back then? Because just when people were discovering, you know, the the Brazilian Jiu Jitsu element, um, you know, it, it, there must have been a sense of I need to to become better than this at this than than other people before they learn more than me. Because it was literally like this. You, people had almost never heard of it, and all of a sudden there was this like tidal wave of of jujitsu knowledge that people needed to learn. Right, and and it was like it was, but at that time too, we were all trying to figure out how to train it, how to train, um, how how to put them all together, right? With gi, without a gi, no gi, with gi, um, how to just how do you train sparring and wrestling and 
jujitsu together and how do you mix it together? How do you, how do you get ready for a fight? You know, it, it was a, it was a big learning curve back then and everyone, and I think the people that, that consistently did better were the guys that were, were really trying to learn and get outside. So you got some of those guys got stuck in like, Oh, my style is better. I'm just going to stay with my style and I'm going to do my style. And those guys kind of slipped on, started slowly slipping off. You know, they, if you weren't ready, if you weren't ready to evolve and, and improve, um, you're going to get passed up really quickly back then. Yeah. Well, it's something that I'm getting, you know, from reading your story as well is that, you know, uh, Muhammad Ali is famous for quoting that he hated training, you know, but obviously, you know, he was an incredible champion, but he, it was the, the time in the ring, I think, that he really enjoyed. Uh, were you kind of the opposite where you almost enjoyed the journey and the training more than chasing a belt or a title? Yeah, I, I really was. I, I mean, I really loved every part of it. I like to, I like training. I like come getting up every day. I like trying to figure out how to beat somebody. Um, I, I like trying to pick someone apart, um, trying to, and trying to figure out better ways of getting out of things. I learned a long time ago. Like I you t- you see, you watch guys train something and teach something. Um, and they, they don't always show everything that they do different. Like you see someone like yeah, a good example. I saw, I watched Jake Shields. And this is a while ago. He's gotten, he, he teaches it now, but that back when we were on Ultimate Fighter, he came in and was showing his 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 um a guillotine, and I'm like, and he has a great guillotine. He finishes guys, he's, he does a good great job with it, and I'm like, what? Wait, he's teaching it the same way everybody else teaches it. He's not doing anything. He's not teaching anything different. And I was looking at him, like, but so what is he doing different that makes it work different? And then, oh, okay, that's what he's doing. He's got his hip there. Okay, okay I see that. Now that – so I, I got used to looking for that, and I actually learned that after my – after my the first Ultimate Fighter. I was coaching uh, coaching the guys, and I was showing them a move that works for me all the time. I, I get – it works most of the time. Most – probably 85% of the time I use it, I'd be able to get, get up and get, get, get to a position I, I like, right? And – it wasn't working for them. They just couldn't couldn't get it to sit, you know, couldn't get it at all. I'm like, man, what? These guys are pretty good at what they do. Um, I was talking about one of them was four. I'm working with fours. I'm like, wait, well, do that again. What do you now? What is he doing wrong? Why why isn't he getting this? I'm like, oh, he has to push the push the the arm first, and then he's got to get that get that little momentum going this way first, and then do with the move for it to work. Because I didn't really even notice I was doing that. It was just it was natural for me to do it, so it was natural for me to pop the person so to load load the hips a little bit so I could so I could have the ability to to make that move work, and he started doing this, oh and he got and he got it and he started working and started working for him so I'm like oh, so I mean I think that first ultimate fighter really helped me as a coach learn to teach better because you know knowing how to do things is one thing knowing how to teach it's another. Yeah, absolutely. Well, another thing that that. Um, you talk about a little bit in the book is you know your love of chess when you were younger and you know, people that just know you as the as the literally the man in the octagon probably don't understand the the analytical side of your fight philosophy so how do you you know how much time do you take on actually analyzing an opponent before you fight them um well i i try to i i try to pick go through i uh, go through the films and try to figure out 
when, when they were available back then, sometimes it was hard to get films on guys. Um, the more, but the more film I have, the more time, so I always used to say like, the more time I get to spar with you, the better chance I have against you. I'll get better against you every time we spar, you know, every time we train together, I'll get better. Cause I, I, I know how to, I, and I can, I can, I know what kind of moves you do. I, I know what things you try. I, I'll start picking apart how you set, how you set up things and how, how you react to things. If I can figure out how you react to things, I can figure out how to, how to land something. So I, I, I actually really like that part of it. Like trying to figure out and what trying to watch and, uh, and do, do, do my homework. Well, I know you've talked about, you know, wishing you could have had another fight with Rampage. If you could, like, if you could go back and talk to young Chuck, what would you tell him to do differently to be able to beat that man? You know, I, I think I had some stuff figured out uh, for that, but I just—it's one of those things that I need to—I need to mix some stuff up with him a little more, like, and you know, uh, do a little more wrestling with him. I, I think I, at that point, I, I started I, when I started getting away from, um, you know, I started getting away from, that and I would go just going out and striking with guys. Um, and I and I got away. Some of the stuff I got away with. I mean, I got caught that caught that fight, the last fight. I thought well, before that, I thought I, I should have had him too. But you know, it's one of those things. Uh, going back, uh, I think I think there's I, I think I I should I should have done a, done a little more um, keeping him off balance, not letting him know it's, it's he can just sit there and strike with me. I mean, I think I and I've, I've given that advice to a lot of people over the years now. As I, you know, because I got away from, you know, just I, the one of the things that made me great in the beginning is that I could fight anywhere, and I and I could control where where the fight was, and I, I kept kept keep you guessing on what I wanted to do, whether I wanted to take you down or if I wanted to stay up with you. Um, and when I got away from that, it it, it you know made it a lot easier, an easier fight for people. You know, when you and they know you're not, they don't know what you're going to do. They know what you're going to do, and it made it a little easier. Now you obviously peaked to the point where you know you were a champion for for years. What was your mindset that kept you um, being able to to focus on training when you were winning? Well, I think that a lot of a lot of that had to do with I just. I mean, I, part of it has to do with I think as a as a fighter or as is it's, it's more about the improving and the getting better and the. I mean, the actual winning of titles or winning of things lasts, what, a couple of days, a week? <laughs> you know, that'd be getting excited. It doesn't last maybe a month. I don't know. I, I can't even remember how, how long I was excited about it as far as I was more excited about who am I fighting next? Who, when am I going to fight next? When am I going to be ready next? Um, you know, and and I, I think that was always the the driving force was that I is just the improvement and getting better and, and, and becoming a better fighter and 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 chasing that who's next who's next to prove I'm the best. Yeah. Well conversely then, so what about when you started um having losses, you know, mentally what was that like for you um, you know, being on the top and now having each time to to go back and figure out how to beat the next person? You know, it's one of those things. I mean, looking back, you know, I, you know, I, 
it was it, it was tough. You know, it's one of those things. But it's it's always like I always felt like when I was done, I always felt like um, I I always felt like I I should have won that fight. I should have not. I, I know what mistakes I made. I know what I did wrong. I need to get back. I need to work on it. And we just got there and do it. You know, you know um, and I, I think I, I waited to too long to actually try to change the way I was fighting. Cause I, I kind of got, I did feel like I got away from, from mixing up everything and, and, and I should have been, you know, mixing some of my wrestling in more with my, my striking and, doing that some of that stuff earlier and I think it might have made a difference you know but uh, in the longevity of uh, fighting but you know I you know I fought till I was 40 so I mean I, I, I it was funny I was watching a fight well, it was quite a while ago now but they were talking about one of the guys I knew and it's, uh, he was 31 and I was talking about him being an aging fighter or <laughs> being way past he should have retired a long time ago you know he needs to retire it's, he's, he's getting too old now and he was 31 you know, I was like, okay. But then you got people like yeah, Randy. Right. That so, is- I, you know, I won my I won my first title at 35. So, you know, I, I, I hung in there quite a bit, quite a while. And, you know, maybe maybe the longer than I should have, but, you know, I, I was still enjoying it. And I was, it would have been one thing if I was going out there and getting beat up and, and then knocked out. But I, I always felt like I was winning the fight and I, I got caught and got knocked out. And I could, I could fix that. And, um, and you know, it is what it is. You know, it, it is. I mean, it's tough, but I mean, I always had that mindset. It was like, I can, I can fix this and I can win. I can beat, I can, I can get back. Let me give me another chance. I mean, right after I lost, I'm in the back room today. Man, I, I can do this again. Can I have another shot at this? Give me one more. Give me more. Let me, let me try again. Yeah. Which again shows that you were on that journey as opposed to just being focused on that, that win or that title. Okay. So then as, as, as far as transitioning out, my community, whether it's first responders, whether it's military, that can sometimes be a tough transition. We've identified for you know, 10, 20, 30 years as a soldier, a police officer, a firefighter. And for some of those men and women, when they, when they move on, when they retire, when they get hurt, whatever happens, that's a struggle mentally, you know, identity-wise. Um, what was your transition out of professional MMA like for you? Oh, um, well, you know, it's, it's a tough thing, man. Um, the, the thing I try to tell people all the time is like, it, it, you know, you go from having something you're, you're working for, chasing, going after, you're, you have a reason to, you know, um, do things for, you know, 30 years. You know, I've, I've been fought – I've you know fought for twenty, you know, been did wrestling, um, football, whatever it was. I had something coming up all the time, right? And uh, and and then all of a sudden you don't. So for me, and I remember it was one of those things. I didn't have that. I always had that thing at the top pushing me or controlling me or encouraging me to do, you know, make sure I stay, stay on my workout, stay doing this. So, you know, I had, I had a driving purpose, right? You had that purpose. And now it's, that's gone. And, you know, I think, uh, I think a lot of, a lot of professions, a lot of different things, it's the same, same thing that you don't have some, there, there's not a reason you have to do this 
especially in, you know, first responder type things or military, you have a reason to stay in shape, a reason to, you know, to work out, a reason to, to go do this or go do that or not do this or not do that. And, and that reason is not there anymore. Now, you know, I, I was blessed. I had, I had a lot of opportunities, a lot of things to do, but also it's a, it's a little, it's kind of weird position to be in when you don't have anything. Was acting kind of the, the other element, the thing that the next tribe, if you like, the next community that you found yourself in that then allowed you to, to focus that energy? Um, that, that's how, that's helping me. Yes. That's one of those things, um, you know, that allows me to, to, to try to get better at something. You know, I, I want, I don't want to, I don't want to just do it to, I know the cameos and stuff was fun when I was doing, uh, when I was fighting and stuff, but now I, I want to get better at it and keep getting better. And I, I feel like I am and, and keep improving every time I go out and, and do a role. So yeah, it gives me something, something to shoot for, something to, to work at. And, and it allows me to stay, stay in the, stay in public and smoke a tie and, and try to make, you know, help, help people out and, and do some good things for people. Yeah. Well, speaking of which, so we talked before the show, you know, tell me about some of the work you're doing with uh, some of these veteran nonprofits. Well, yeah, uh, we've got emerging uh, vets and players uh, is, is uh, Jake Laser uh, got that got that started and and working with those guys has been great. Um, uh, you know, the E3 guys, at E3 Ranch um, in Kansas have been doing some stuff with them lately, uh, help, helping some military guys. Um, uh, Jared Allen's uh, Homes for Wounded Warriors in Arizona. I've worked with them for a long time. Great guy, great, um, great organization, helping guys out. And you know, I, I like I like doing things to help the vets and and you know all, all the first responders, the guys that you know they, they you know put their lives on the line for us and to allow us to have the you know have our rights and our our, our our lives, you know, I have a, be in a peaceful society and be well, mostly peaceful, I guess. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Beautiful. Well, one more area before we transition to some closing questions so I can let you go. Um, in a podcast I listened to you recently on, you'd mentioned about getting stem cell therapy. So now it's been a little bit more time. What is your, you know, how, how did it impact you? Did you have success with it? Oh, I had a lot of success. I, I, I had a, a PCL L tear, tear that I never got fixed, and uh, that would really help with. Uh, um, and my actually my my both my shoulders are just wear and tear, just beat up pretty bad. I mean, my my uh, shoulder shoulder uh, doctor uh, said, um, uh, you know, it looked like I played in the NFL for fifteen years. Um, my, my shoulders, but. Uh, but I, you know, I wasn't able to put my 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 jacket on without someone helping me um, before I went down there and got got and then and, the, and for that for that for the stem cells for that, um, I, I can tell you that that you know, bioaccelerator really really hooked me up and they did a great job and helped me and they you know those guys are great. If, if you can make it down to uh, 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 Columbia, you know the bioaccelerator is amazing. Those guys did a great job, and it's, it's very professional down there. They do really treat you, treat you good, and, and take care of your take care of stuff. 
Beautiful. No, that's good to hear because you hear people trying it a lot, but you know it's still somewhat new. So to hear people having results, I think is uh, very encouraging. Well, yeah, and uh, you know I talked to with some one of Tony Robbins' guys that, that does uh, that kind of vets out the uh, stem cell stuff for him. I think um, he told, but he told me um, that because I was asking him, how do I tell someone if it works? I know from my shoulders it, it did it did wonders, I, so I don't know that works, and I. That PCL tear on my knee, I did really, I gave me, it really helped. But, um, but like for other things, I don't, I, I mean, I can't, I, I don't know if it works for this or for that, um, for other things. Um, so I told, I asked them, how do I, how do, what do I say to people? Because people call me, text me, hey, well, if it works, it works that good, I, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. But it's, it's really hard on me. It's a really hard month. Like I can get the money together, but it's, it's going to, it's rough. I just don't want to do it. It's not, it's not worth it. I try to tell you, there's no guarantees. Number one, number two. But he said, he said, what he said was try PRP first, and if you have any success with PRP, PRP uh, like stem cells like PRP on steroids. So, so that was I thought that was a good way to for people that are, are trying to figure out if they want to do it or, or not. It's a cheaper way to to try it out and 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 see if if it'll have. If they think it might have some some lasting effect. Beautiful. Well, just as you mentioned, Tony Robbins, um, you told a very interesting story about how um, he was brought in. Was it John that brought him in to help you um, after your first loss? Is that correct? Uh, no, after uh, at first having two losses in a row. Okay. So tell me what you know what he did with you, and then and then if you still continue to practice that to this day. You know, I. I think the the thing that he he did uh, he, it's, it's hard to explain though the stuff he does but he he does a lot of great stuff um uh but he's great great people works with people I mean one of the things that he did with me was he just kind of got me back to to realizing I mean realizing that you know it, it wasn't a big deal you know it wasn't it was. And, and go out and go back to having going out and having fun because that's the way that's what I always did that made me great at fighting as I it was always fun for me I wasn't um you know gonna go out and be because I after losing two in a row I was kind of kind of all over the place a little bit and like oh man I'm sure I'd be doing this anymore and you know I think the biggest thing he did for me was a guided meditation and he had me go through you know the five best moments of my life in that guy didn't have me say one to him you didn't tell him the best moments of your life basically the top five and at the end of five he's on hey tell me not one of those had anything to do with fighting did it I said you know what no not one and he said well then quit worrying about it and go out and have some fun yep uh, alright man that's some of the best advice I ever had and I went out that was the last fight I, I won before that so yeah, he came up to my room uh, the night before that fight, so for the Vanley Silva fight. Beautiful. Now, with um, I know in the book you talked about not drinking at all when you were younger. It's funny because I, this can sound weird to American ears, but I drank till I was sixteen because in England, you know, it's kind of a little more socially acceptable to drink with you know meals and stuff when you're younger. But then I had a let's just say a bad you know over drinking accidental episode. And I didn't drink through most of the years where my friends started drinking. Um, but then you hinted in other interviews about, you know, 
towards the end of your career, you did find yourself drinking. So kind of what was that, that mental journey for you where you found yourself kind of off the path and then how did you pull yourself back on to where you are today? Um, you know, I, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think when I, once, once I retired and, and it was the, the brakes were off, you know, I just was, um, really, I just decided I wasn't, didn't think I was doing anything wrong, but just I'd go out and drink. I'd party and I, I didn't have a reason not to. So it wasn't like before I was had a fight coming up. I had to go train with somebody. I had people where I was working out with. Um, I had people I had, I had people to answer to. I had people to, that I was respond that you know that I felt like I I owed to be there for them. And you know, you know, I was retired. I didn't have anything else. It was it was real easy to get going and and, and started and I, you know it started it, it didn't last for long, but I, I got to where I was you know drinking three four times a week, and then started going and you know and uh, so actually one night I was. Long, long story, hard to explain, but I end up, I was supposed to meet up with my now wife um, and end up just not being able to figure out how to, so drunk, I didn't figure out how to get up, like call up to her room from from the keypad at the front, at the front of her, her apartment. And, uh, and I was like, you know, and then got myself out of that with her, but decided not to drink for a year and took off drinking for a whole year and just then, then I just kind of now got to back to drinking when I'm every here and there when I want to, and when I, you know, not a, not a big deal anymore. But I just kind of needed that wake up call to, you know, to to not, you know, it, you know, you're free. You don't have to have any responsibilities, but you know, you might you might want to stand a little more control than that. But uh, but I think that was part of the thing of just having everything released. Like you know, I didn't have I, I had no. I didn't have to be back in the gym. I didn't have to do, you know, this or that. You know, it was, it was just, oh, I'm going to have some fun. I, you know, I deserve it. I earned it. You know, well, at some point, he's got to get back to doing something else, or you, you know, get motivated another way. Yeah. No. Well, thank you for sharing that because I think it's very 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 important and parallel to many of our journeys. I, I mean, I can say the same thing. I never drank to get you know, shit face for lack of a better word, but I found that the frequency of my alcohol consumption post-retirement, you know, went up and it really reminds me of your story, chasing your son up the stairs. It's like, you have to monitor yourself. And when you get that warning sign, be able to draw it back in before it goes too far. And then you're way too, you know, you've got a lot of work then to get yourself back from there. Yeah, that's a, exactly Brilliant. All right. Well, I want to be mindful of your time. So I want to switch to some closing questions so I can let you go, especially on today's uh, big day where Connor and Dustin are fighting. So thank you again for for doing the interview on that day. Um, so the first question I'd love to ask, um, you you have a biography that's named Iceman, which uh, I read and is phenomenal. So everyone listening out there, I urge you to, to read that, to truly get the full story. Um, are there any other books that you love to recommend to people? It can be related to what we've discussed today or something completely different. Yeah, uh, reading the Bible a lot more lately, but uh, other than that, uh, you know. Yeah, no problem. The Bible's a great answer. We'll stick with that. <laughs> All right, so then the next question I'd like to ask is a, a movie or a documentary that you recommend. Now, before we get to the answer, so you had Cage Fighter come out last year, so I want to make people aware of that. And then also the 30 for 30, Chuck and Tito, I thought was an incredible 
documentary as well. So yeah, I thought, I, those guys did a great job of, of covering a lot of complex issues in a short period of time um, as best they could. I mean, I thought it was, I thought it, I thought it came across really well. All right. Next question. Is there a person you'd recommend to come on this podcast to talk to the first responders, military and associated professions of the world as a guest? I mean, I, any of those guys, like Jared, Jared Allen would be great. Get him on here. He's a, a good dude, uh, good for people. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, Adam LaRoche, another one, a friend of mine, does, he's this guy from E3. Those, those guys, uh, you know, those guys are, you know, not, not only supporters, but helping, helping, helping vets uh, quite a bit. So they're, they're, they'd be good guys to talk to. Perfect. Thank you so much. All right. Then the last question before we make sure everyone knows where to find you online. What do you do to decompress these days? I, I still, to be honest, I, to decompress, I still hit the bag, do jujitsu, um, hit the bag, roll, spar, so anything having to do with martial arts. I, I That's my uh, kind of my, my happy place and uh, where I, I get the time I can, you know, that shut my mind down and just think about that. Love it. All right. Well, then, the very last question then. If people want to f- reach out to you, find you, follow you online, where are the best places these days? Um, uh, it's at Chuck Liddell on most of the social media, like uh, Twitter or Instagram. Um, uh, I think we can get ChuckLiddell.com running up. I've been running again soon, but uh, it's kind of as we haven't been doing that for a while. But you get running again soon because I got some a few things coming up. I'm gonna I'm probably gonna start be starting a podcast sometime later this year, and uh, um, and we also have a, a I'm gonna put a show out no no trucks given, which is uh, gonna be uh, more like a it's kind of like a travel show, but just me doing what I'm what I like to do, things I like to do, and showing you the area I'm at when I'm doing it. So it should be pretty uh, interesting. Should be some fun stuff. Beautiful. All right. Well, well, Chuck, I want to say thank you so much um, for you to take time out of your day, especially today, which is a big fight day. Um, and obviously your family in the background. So I'm taking you from them too. Um, I truly, truly appreciate you taking the time to speak to the audience today. So thank you so much. Yeah, my pleasure, man. Thank you. Easy.